At Progressive, we know there's nothing like the feeling of riding your motorcycle with your buddies on the open road. It's a potent cocktail of thrills, laughter, and pure adrenaline. A feeling that would be impossible to recreate on the radio. Until now. Hit it, sound effects guy. I'm real proud of you, son. Wow, that was terrible. Our apologies for even trying. Quote with Progressive and see if you could save with America's number one motorcycle insurer. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. What happened to music that meant something? The Who at the Kingdom or Kiss at the Coliseum. Where is the Misty Mountain Hop? Where is the is the smoke on the water? Where is the Iron Man of today? Kelly Hogan has sung backup vocals for Nico Case, Andrew Bird, Mavis Staples, and many others in her career, but now she steps into the spotlight with her first album in 11 years. I'm Greg Codd of the Chicago Tribune. And I'm Jim Diorgatis from WBEZ and Columbia College. Today, Kelly Hogan talks about and performs songs from her new album, I Like to Keep Myself in Pain. And later in the show, Greg and I review new discs from the British electronic group Hot Chip and R&B newcomer, Emily Sande. You're listening to Sound Opinions, and now it's time for some music news. Greg, I love that song, and if I may play TV critic for a moment, I've got to say I love the television show on FX, Louie, starring the comedian Louis C.K. What a dark and wonderfully weird sense of humor that guy has. What I'm inspired about right now, though, is the way he is selling tickets to his current tour. He is red hot. He's been on a bunch of magazine covers. People love that show. He has sold 100,000 tickets through his website, and he's done it by keeping ticket prices really cheap, $45 a seat, and bypassing Ticketmaster. What he hates about the monopolistic ticketing giant is the fact that so many of the tickets wind up instantly on the secondary market, in other words, in the hands of scalpers. Louis's been writing about this a lot on his website and tweeting about it. 67 shows on this tour, two shows he is doing at a conventional venue, selling the tickets through Ticketmaster. Of those 4,400 tickets at those two shows, 25% of them, 1,100, are already on the secondary market, whereas the number on the secondary market from all the other shows, zero. One way he's assuring that the tickets stay in the hands of the fans is that they've got some sort of a registration code, and if any of those tickets that sold for $45 suddenly appear on a StubHub or a Craigslist for $200, they're going to be rescinded. Why doesn't this happen more in the rock world? We don't see musicians standing up for their fans with low ticket prices, no service charges, and no way to get the scalpers an edge. We just don't see it. Good for Louis C.K. 
That is somebody that I used to know, the ubiquitous single from the Australian singer Gautier. We're playing it because it is the biggest selling song of the first half of 2012. In fact, Jim, it is the biggest selling digital download ever for this first six months of any year and symbolic of a significant increase in digital music sales for the first half of 2012 as well. 5.5 million digital downloads of that song alone. Number two on the list, the New York band Fun, another ubiquitous single, We Are Young, 5.1 million copies. I got to so, confess, I really like that Fun song, but if I wanted Goite, I would listen to Sting. <laughs> it's so catchy. Those two songs alone have outsold any other single in history, digital downloads for the first half of any year. It is selling by the truckload. The music industry is incredibly happy with that because overall music sales are up 6% in the first half of 2012, even though album sales continue to decline. What's interesting to me, Jim, about the album sales figures is the number one album of the first half of 2012, well, it was also the number one album of the entirety of 2011. That's the Adele album, which has been out for almost two years now. Her second album, called 21, continues to dominate the charts. It sold 3.6 million copies, nearly four times as many as the next leading album of the year, the Lionel Richie country album, Tuskegee, which didn't even top a million. And then that British boy band, One Direction, in third place. So we're seeing two significant trends here. The domination of Adele continuing into its second year and the increasing emphasis on singles over albums in the digital marketplace. I want to hear your voice coming out of my radio. That is a bit of the track Golden by our guest this week, singer Kelly Hogan. If the name's not familiar, the voice might be. Kelly is a sought-after vocal collaborator who's worked with everybody from Andrew Bird and Jacob Dylan to the great Mavis Staples. If your spine's ever tingled listening to a Nico Case song, chances are you've heard Hogan's harmonies in the background. She's been touring and recording with her friend Nico since 2000. Now Hogan's out with her fourth solo record, I Like to Keep Myself in Pain, and she's poised to reach the biggest audience of her career. Well, as you said, Jim, Hogan's a serial collaborator, so it wasn't really any surprise that the album was a group effort. When it came time to make the record, she solicited songs from a really impressive list of musician friends. People like Robin Hitchcock, Vic Chestnut, Stephen Merritt. I Like to Keep Myself in Pain showcases Hogan's voice, but also her wide-ranging musical tastes. And I think that's something you can chart back to her first band, The Jody Grind from Atlanta. That was a band that merged pop, soul, and country, though it ended prematurely when a car crash killed two of its members in 1992. So when Hogan visited the studio, I asked her about The Jody Grind and the group's wild mix of influences. We just didn't know any better. I mean, we do the uh, Minutemen song, and then we do, you know, a Dusty Springfield song and a Burt Backrack song, and then, yeah, we'd write these weird, twisted, hillbilly 
love songs and yeah we just didn't know any better we had musical rabies we just love music in these wide open spaces there's nowhere to hide if i could find me a tin can i'd crawl right up inside i'm driving as far and as fast as i can but there ain't no foxhole I worked at a record store called Wax and Facts in Atlanta, which is one of the best. I never took a paycheck home from there. I just spent it all on records. And yeah, anything and everything. And well, that, that was that, that was, was like our blessing and our curse, too. People didn't quite know what to make of us. Well, that, that period of the uh, 80s indie era, too, was more open to that. You, yeah, know, you didn't was, have to define yourself. Yeah, there's like, it, leading up to, say, like October of 91 when Nirvana Nevermind, and that really kind of, it changed it in this whole other direction. But yeah, we were, yeah, it was kind of an anything goes, like Boy Dog Pondering or Judy Bats or, you know, all these different, everybody had some musical rabies and where you were wanting to kind of just put your findings on display. But then it got all, and you know. But that was—I remember when we were touring to Knoxville, and our bass player was like, "Check this out!" And he put the Nirvana record in the mm. tape deck, and we we're like, "Yeah, it's yeah. awesome." So, right. but things things changed a little after that. Every band in America tells that story. Really? Hearing hearing the ble- Bleach the first time oh, really? on a cassette oh, we, deck. We, yeah, yeah we, this was never mind. But then okay. the same bass player also brought, um, check this out, and he had a single of, uh, oh, Mariah Carey, you make me wee, you know, and he was all like. <laughs> There's the Jody Grind story in a nutshell. <laughs> Grooving to Nirvana and Mariah Carey. Yeah, yeah you know, her first big single. So we, we grooved on both of those things. Well, you mentioned covering the Minutemen, you mm-hmm. know, and we had Mike Watt as a guest on the show and, and always tears up to this day when he tells the story of what happened to Dee Boone yeah. and the Jody Grind had a similar. I mean, this is a great, sad aspect of the, the indie musician story, that, that you're on the road, you're driving a lot, and sometimes things happen. Well, you know, just by statistics, I mean, we're on the road all the time. Even, you know, statistically, yeah. somebody's going to get taken out. And we, we drive at night a lot, you know, mm-hmm. when drunk people are out there, which is what happened to my band. So, yeah, yeah it's... So the, the, the van was hit by a drunk driver. Yeah, yeah. And you yes. lost two of your bandmates. Two bandmates and a, a dear friend of ours, Deacon Lunchbox. He he opened our shows a lot, but he perished in the in the wreck as well. Obviously, a, a sad sad experience for you. you oh yeah, you to say the least. Quit music, right? You were going to quit music. You moved to Chicago. You were leaving all that behind you. Well, I did music after. I mean, that was uh, was twenty years ago, nineteen spring of nineteen ninety two. I was still making music up until when I left. Uh-huh. Atlanta in 97 because then I joined the Rocketeens and it was more just after a while it was just starting with the Jody Grindrec 
in April of 92. It was this weird, hard time in Atlanta where we just lost a bunch of people. You know, Mm. there's some Buddhist saying, like, get knocked down six times, get up seven. After Mm. a while, I was like, F that, man. I'm going to lay down for a while. (laughs) So I needed to lay down. And I moved to Chicago, the worst place to move to quit music. Yeah, that would seem to be. (laughs) This place is like a crazy terrarium of, yeah, it's nuts. Right, we are really excited to talk about this new record. Cool. I like to keep myself in pain, but but I think we should hear a song first. Tell, yeah. us, tell us what you're going to play. All right. This is called I Like to Keep Myself in Pain. Title song for my record by the great Robin Hitchcock. Give me that key, which I know you're secretly giving me. Thank you for the overt key. Here we go. Here we go, fellas. I like to keep myself in pain Even when the sun is high Shining on the olive trees There's still a shadow in my eye And that shadow must be yours Falling all across the plains I got your wreckage in my heart So I like in pain In the quiet night I sleep To the sweet cascading rain Then your voices come to haunt me So I like to keep myself in pain in pain It's not conscious I just do Must be something that I learn From all my time with you When people ask me where you are I say don't to keep myself in pain from Kelly Hogan and her band. <laughs> the song we just heard. I like to keep myself in yeah. pain. I think one of the extraordinary things about this album and and I want to dig deep into this with you is you know, you've taken these songs from these incredible songwriters, right? All of whom 
had enough admiration for you to, to kind of take your call, take your email, yeah. and say, yeah, I'll write you a song, Kelly. Yeah. The title track in particular, though, Robin Hitchcock doesn't sound like anybody but Robin Hitchcock. You know, <laughs> nobody can cover Robin Hitchcock. He's one of a kind. He's an idiosyncratic weirdo genius. Yeah, he's always yeah, riding that cosmic snail. But you've taken a garden. Robin Hitchcock yeah. song and made it a Kelly Hogan song. The band that I was working with that weekend, we, we really, we just sent people skeletal demos, you know, just doing that and sent them acoustic guitar and my vocal. And then the idea was we'd all meet Booker T. Jones and all the James Getz and Gabe Roth and Scott Legan. And we'd sort of make this record together, which was terrifying because what if it doesn't work? But that, that kind of came about, I mean, Scott and I, that song in particular, because of what you talk about, it is hard to take that Robin Hitchcock thing and we didn't know how we were going to do it you know Mm. six a do i don't know we tried it all these different ways and then we kind of saved it for later in the week because we had trepidations about that issue and then we said okay we're going to do that robin hitchcock song i like to keep myself in pain and james gadson was like "Ooh, the cowboy song and he started playing this like do 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 and then booker t came in and of course, at that moment, I was like, oh, yeah, Booker T produced Stardust by Willie Nelson. So yeah. it turned into this weird country noir kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And it's so, it, yeah, I had some help there. You notice how it, casually, Greg, she's mentioned those names. Serious, serious name <laughs> dropping going on I'm, here. Booker T Jones played on my record, you know. Yeah, and then uh, Booker walked into the room and he said, hey, you know. <laughs> and, oh, well, it's, and James Gadsden's played with Beck and, and, and uh, Gabe Roth from the Dap Kings is on this record. Scott Ligon's your longtime yeah, musical partner yeah, here in Scott Chicago. Lee, and, well, again, after that song came together, Scott was through the little glass, and he just looked at me and he was like, well, that's how we're going to do that song. We had <laughs> yeah. no idea. But yeah, yeah, it's, believe me, I, I still can't, when I say the words, it's like I'm talking about a TV show I saw where this girl goes in to East West Studios and, hello, Mr. Booker T. Jones, hello, Mr. Gadsden. We're going to take a short break on Sound Opinions from WBEZ Chicago and PRX, but we'll come back with more of our conversation with Kelly Hogan. Plus, we'll review the new albums from Emily Sande and Hot Chip. Like the moon pulls on the water And water pulls the sand Like starlight drifts a billion years To flicker once above your head Cicadas in the oak tree are singing to the sky And I am calling out to you across this lonely night Come back to the valley, the green willow valley in the cool I'm waiting here for you Can you feel the wings of birds Unfold across the sky Can you hear the blades of grass Calling to the light Can you read my mind Then how was my day to divine what does the river say flash of bone like a lightning strike ran down the line shot up your spine like a shorted out mind 
Welcome back to Sound Opinions. I'm Greg Cott here with Jim DeRigatis, and you're listening to our conversation with singer Kelly Hogan. Hogan's best known for her collaborations with singer Nico Case. She's sung and toured with Case for over a decade. But on the new solo record, I Like to Keep Myself in Pain, it's Hogan who's front and center. The album features Hogan's bittersweet voice covering tunes written for her by her musician friends, everyone from Andrew Bird and M. Ward to Vic Chestnut. Now, that a singer like Hogan can cover a Robin Hitchcock song and make it her own tells you a lot about her interpretive skills. She's also a consummate performer, this despite growing up as a self-described shy kid and a nerd. <laughs> so when Kelly dropped by the studio, I asked her how she started singing publicly. I always loved music and records. I mean, I got a record player for Christmas when I was four because I kept slamming my fingers in our family record player, the big coffin record player. I don't know. I was always singing, but I was just painfully, painfully shy. I finally started singing in front of people in maybe sixth grade. The first time I ever sang was at Girl Scout camp because my (laughs) tent mates stole my clothes. So I had to walk around in a bathing suit. Yeah, while I was in the swim lessons, they stole <laughs> yeah. all my clothes and hid my trunk in the woods because they wanted me to sing at our farewell performance for all the parents and everything. So I did. I just had to grow a pair Well, you know, at pe- Girl Scout camp. <laughs> People talk about your technical abilities. I mean, Nico Case is constantly saying you're the... You're kind of the smart one in the in the duo in terms of just knowing the notes and where to come in, the parts, the proper parts to sing. And it doesn't sound like you had any formal training. You just sort of instinctively picked that up along the way. Well, I mean, I sang to records, but once I did uh, try out for chorus, I learned things from there that I still use. Definitely the physical part, you know, correct breathing, because it's a workout, man. You get a free buzz, a free poverty <laughs> buzz if you're doing it right. So I do have a little skeletal. I've got some scaffolding. Mm-hmm. You know, you've spent a lot of your career as a great backing musician, singing behind people like Nico mm-hmm. and uh, Nico Case and Mavis Staples, Jacob Dylan. You've made some fine records on your own. This one is getting more of a push than ever, you know, signed to anti-epitaph. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, when you can call Tom Waits and Kate Bush and Joe Henry label mates, you know, um, how did this <laughs> project come together? Uh, it goes back to Andy Calkin, my awesome guru and honcho at Anti Records, and I had known him for uh, many years through Nico. He's very thoughtful, and he had been thinking about this a long time before he even approached me to make a record. He's just like, I've talked to you for so long. You've worked with all these people for 20 years. Why don't you go home and make a list of all the people you've worked with, and let's call in some favors and see if these people will write you some songs, which was a scary thing to you know, ask these people. But, well, that's a it's an A list of songwriters. I mean, you're I'm yeah. Like, well, that, I made the list. Yeah. I'm like, damn. All right, some good people. <laughs> yeah. So Stephen Merritt of Magnetic Fields, uh, Andrew Bird. Mm-hmm. Th- there's a difference between you and some of the other singers we could mention, though, because I think this was a project that you were in charge of from the start. Oh yeah. Oh, and yeah. you were in charge of in the studio. I mean, yeah. we mentioned we dropped these names: Booker T. Jones, James Gadsden, who played with Bill Withers back mm-hmm. in the '70s mm-hmm. and back. Gabriel Roth, who has worked with Amy Winehouse, you were in charge. You were basically the the producer, the the person yeah. who had the last word on everything. Mm-hmm. You brought these songs in. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's perhaps understood enough by people who you know appreciate the voice. 
So you had a sort of a vision, and yet you're yeah. working with these high-powered characters. Yeah. And, you know, I've asked you this before, but how do, you, how do you tell Booker T, <laughs> yeah. hey, you, you played a wrong note there, Booker. Uh, we'll no, get another one. <laughs> Pick it up a little, Booker. <laughs> no. No, we did it. It took a village. Like, we did it. But, yeah, I was definitely steering the ship. But, you know, I've said before, when Booker T has an arrangement idea, you certainly want to hear what that is. And same with Mr. Gadsden. He's produced and sung and does harmony singing. And so he was over there just like, oh you know, singing these harmonies he was hearing in his head. When your name is on it, and this is the record definitely that I don't feel like, oh, I should have done this, or I meant to do that, or if only we'd had more time, you know, this, I got to do it how I wanted it. And I always say to, if I come off as bossy, (laughs) the songs are the boss, I'm in middle management. Maybe it took until Wednesday to tell people to do it different, <laughs> but, but it's, it took a couple of lunches of like, excuse me, Mr. Getz, and you have mustard on your mustache and more noodles, Mr. Jones, you know, to kind of get more familiar. But yeah, it means my name's on it, man. So Kelly Hogan with a great record. I like to keep myself in pain. You're listening to Sound Opinions. We're here with Kelly Hogan and her band, Jim Elkington on guitar, Casey McDonough on bass, Joe Camarillo on drums. Uh, Kelly, how about another song for us? Okay guys, let's do let's do haunted. Yeah. 
Wow, that is Haunted, written by John Langford, performed by Kelly Hogan here on Sound Opinions. Kelly, it begs the question, when you're talking about the primacy of the song and how much the songs mean to you, what to you is a great song? What, what's connecting to you in a tune when you are presented with it? Definitely um, visual images. Like I can almost hear flashbulbs, you know, going off, like uh, detail. You know how you, they say the more detailed, the more universal. You know, everybody has their own their own interpretation. But yeah, visual imagery, word nerd. I'm back to like the bookworm. I really like Vic Chestnut's lyrics, you know, or John Wesley Harding's song where he's he's got some, you know, six syllable words. <laughs> but mm-hmm. but there's economy too. It's not just words for words sake. I call it like a perfectly built little birdhouse. Rise up from your deep sleep, baby. like a uh, vocal challenge I like something when I hear a song like oh damn that's gonna be hard bring it but the words definitely I have to I never sing a song I don't believe you know spoken like an English major Mm. or a rock critic (laughs) do you do you have to see yourself in the songs in order to sing them uh I suppose so I mean I'm singing from the point of view of Frank Sinatra but yeah I'd have to be invested sometimes I'll like a song or like certain songs I wear around the house and even though I love them you know, it might not be the time or the place for that song, or it just might not fit me. So, and then I've taken on songs that have like put their boot on my neck, hmm. and I'd be like, "Yeah, you're right. Okay, cool," which is good. Cool. Can you give us one of those uh, boot on the neck kind of songs? Oh that, well, uh... that would have to. <laughs> no, we're not going to do "It's Over" by Roy Orbison right now. <laughs> that one totally. I yeah. think I had to call nine one one. All right, so fellas, what should we? Uh... Ways of the world. Boot on the Neck mm. by Vic Chestnut. Before we get it, yeah. Kelly, tell us now. Now, Vic, uh, we've lost Vic. Yes, we have, um, which sucks. Obviously, you didn't go to him and ask him to write you this song. How did this song come to you? I uh, sent him an email, and he and I said, will you write me a song for my record? And his mm. is one of the first that came in. So this puts that puts this project in the works for quite some time. Yeah, right? it was 2009. That's when I started collecting songs. Yeah, Vic died later that year. I was yep. thinking about this. This must yeah. have been one of the Christmas. last songs he, he wrote. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I have no way of knowing that. But yeah, he, he sent it to me in like uh, May or June of 2009. Mm-hmm. Knock my socks off. I, I don't know, you know what's going to happen with his stuff posthumously, but the demo he sent me is fantastic. This song just resonated with me, like, in my bones. Just, we both share Georgia-born DNA, and just, I could see everything in this song. Well, and you had to be thinking that this is sort of a tribute to him as you were recording it, right? I hope he likes it, yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Definitely. Mm -hmm. All right, so uh, it's called Ways of This World. I was just a little girl peeking out of my mama's apron strings. I was just a little girl, but I knew 
And the years will peel away like pages and pages of a novel. Ways of This World by Kelly Hogan on sound opinions, Jim Elkington on guitar, Casey McDonough on bass, Joe Camarillo on drums. Mm-hmm. Phenomenal stuff, Kelly. Thanks, man. One more question about these songs and the songwriters having written. Now, some of these, it strikes me, these songs say things about the woman who will be singing them that are not necessarily flattering. I like to keep myself in pain mm-hmm. or the wise, perhaps beyond her years girl in the song we just heard mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or uh, or the, the egomaniacal Frank Sinatra. Yeah. You, you didn't take any of this personally, did you? Mm, no. No, no. No, I don't think so. Definitely, I Like to Keep Myself in Pain was written. Robin started writing that song for me before I even asked him hmm. for a song. And then Ways of This World, like I said about the Vic Chestnut song, just it resonated immediately. It was like, how did he know Yeah, my but does this story? mean Robin Hitchcock thinks you're a masochist? Or, or, could uh... be. <laughs> he could be right. I'm a, yeah, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a wallower, you know. We are, we're out there, the sayers of the nay, those sad song lovers. And just also, I like to keep myself in pain means I like to keep myself in fear or challenged mm. or just I keep, I can't stop doing it. Ah. I can't stop. It means a lot of things to me, but it definitely means I like to just, you know, keep myself open to failure. Kelly Hogan and the band, it's been a pleasure having you guys on Sound Opinions. Thank you, Kelly, for coming by. Thanks for having us. It was awesomely fun. Welcome to a humble home. We can't invite you in. To see video of Kelly Hogan's performance in our studio, visit soundopinions.org. And don't forget to share your opinions on all things music by calling our hotline, 888-859-1800. Jim and I will be back after a short break on Sound Opinions from WBEZ Chicago and PRX with reviews of new releases from Emily Sunday and Hot Chip. Because you haven't called me yet. The chair that I wake up in has been burned by cigarettes. I tell myself it's only smoke that suffocates and claims. And I guess we just can't have nice things. No, I guess we just can't have nice things. Step around the wedding presents, we're returning to the store. The lamp inside the window 
Welcome back to Sound Opinions. I'm Greg Cott with Jim DeRogatis, and that's a song called Heaven from a new R&B songwriter, Emily Sande, out of the UK. Her new album is just out in the States, Our Version of Events. She was born 25 years ago in Scotland to a biracial family and a serious student as well as a musician. She studied neuroscience in college for a number of years, had a sideline musical career, was performing in clubs in London, caught the attention of a U.K. hip-hop producer named Naughty Boy. They together wrote a track called Diamond Rings, which became a U.K. top 10 hit in 2009. And she ended up getting signed to a major record deal with EMI slash Virgin. Now, she has since collaborated as a songwriter and performer with people like Leona Lewis, Susan Boyle, Tiny Tempa, Cheryl Cole. She's become a big deal in a very short period of time. Now, this record has already been released in the U.K. It won the British Critics' Choice Award, which had previously been won by Adele and Florence and the Machine. So it's usually a sign of something good about to happen to an artist. And that is the hope for Emily Sunday. Her record company now has hooked her up with Coldplay. She's opening a lot of their shows this summer. So if you go to one of those Coldplay arena shows, chances are you're going to run into this singer as the opening act. Let's play a track from our version of events. It's called Daddy from Emily Sande on Sound Opinions. He's out your system, yeah, it took you a while. You got your family back and you got your smile. And you promised your sister that you'll never go back again. But friends keep telling you what he did last night. How many girls he kissed, how many he
That was Daddy from the debut album by Emily Sandé, our version of events. Greg, I just have to inject right here and now that it disturbs me a bit to hear any 25-year-old woman referring to a lover as Daddy. What disturbs me even more is kind of the uh, submissiveness in a lot of these songs. In another tune, Breaking the Law, she's talking about being willing to commit arson for her lover and pretty much uh, do anything he asks of her. She says that in a lot of these tunes, and then there are a couple that have a smattering of social protest. You know, if you go back to her bio, her two big heroes growing up were Nina Simone and Massive Attack. And it has been said by the UK press that she is trying to combine these influences, traditional R&B or neo-soul, with a little bit of the electronic edge and a hip-hop awareness of something like Massive Attack. I don't think it works really well on this record. We just talked recently about the Nana Cherry comeback record, that's where it's working. Our version of events is kind of watered down in a lot of spots. This woman obviously has a voice. She has some interesting things to say. But again and again, the production kind of blands out. It is, I believe, no coincidence that her God-given name is Adele Sande. <laughs> Adele, just like Adele. That obvious blockbuster of a superstar album, 21, which has sold, what, a bazillion copies? You just said the story earlier today. You know, is the model everybody's going for. I wish there was more edge here, but I do like a lot of what I'm hearing. So I got to say it's a burn it, not yet a buy it. Yeah, I think the singer has got a lot of potential. The mistake they may have made with our version of events is trying to show the breadth of her talents as a songwriter and singer and maybe spread her a little too thin maybe trying to appeal to too many audiences. In the U.K., she's being fashioned as somewhat of as a pop phenom. I really think there's more to her than that. I, I think the tradition that she's coming out, you mentioned people like Nina Simone. I'm hearing a little bit of Tracy Chapman as well, the intensity of some of that stuff. I mean, you're, you're talking about that song, Breaking the Law, like it's a bad thing, but I think that song is actually written about her sister and saying, you know, I would do anything to protect you and to make sure that you're safe from harm. The point is that there's many different ways to interpret these songs, and I wish in some ways she was a little bit more straightforward. The social consciousness, it's there, but it's a little bit generic, as you yeah. said, a little bit homogenized. But man, I think her voice is terrific. I think her attempt to put some a little bit of more poetry into pop music is a game attempt. I think she's going to make better albums than this one. And, you know, a promising start, not a great start, but I think there are better things to come for this artist. I'm going to give it a burn it as well. Flutes, the first single from the new album by Hot Chip, In Our Heads. Greg, this is a band that's been around a long time. This is album number five, and they uh, made their recorded debut in London in 2000. It's a quartet on stage, but we're really talking about the project of two men, Alexis Taylor and Joe Goodard. Two very different voices, one kind of wispy and ethereal, you know, Jeff Buckley or Nick Drake, and the other a little more gruff. It has been said that this was sort of England's answer 
to LCD sound system. It's also been said that they're like great DJs at a party who decided to make the records they wanted to play that hadn't been made yet. <laughs> There's a lot of referencing of electronic music and earlier dance sounds in their work, but there's an exuberance there. You know, speaking of LCD sound system, they signed for a while with the uh, Death From Above label that is run by James Murphy. Now they're on Domino Records, one of the most adventurous indies in the UK for this new release, In Our Heads. Let's hear a track from it and we'll come back and give our opinions. Let Me Be Him is the song by Hot Chip on Sound Opinions. Let Me Be Him from Hot Chip, their fifth studio album, In Our Heads. I think the best thing on that album. A little bit of a different flavor for them. They started exploring this more sincere, 
less emotionally shallow approach on their last album, One Life Stand. And I think it works really, really well on that song. However, I think, Jim, that what attracted me to this band at the start was that up-tempo dance stuff. I think they were giving you that history of electronic dance music, sort of reinterpreting it. There was a little bit of snark in there, yeah, but I loved the dance tunes. Here, you can see, again, they're referencing some of their heroes. You know, you can hear a little bit of talking heads in some of the tunes. There's a pretty blatant Prince ripoff in another song. There's uh, Luther Vandross. You know, Depeche Mode. You know, you can hear Erasure. all those influences wearing them on their sleeve. You know, and that's all well and good. But I think this new sensitivity has produced some really drippy ballads. For the first time, they have dragged the tempos down. They're becoming the sensitive guys. I'm not sure I like that, that transition. This is very much a transitional album for, for Hot Ship. I'm not sure where they're going to go next. But right now, I think this is one of the weaker albums in their catalog. I'm going to give it a barely burn it rating because of the greatness of that one song. Well, I would agree. This is a burn it record, Greg. I, I think that some of the drippiness, as you said, is actually kind of funny when they're talking about the joys of monogamy and when they're talking about, you know, what they love and don't me, expect me to be a rapper. I'm Zap, not Zappa, you know, mm. stuff like there's some funny lines there. But look, I think this has always been a singles band, you know, one or two tracks on a mixtape or thrown on at a party. And it's exuberant. It's bouncy. They're best when they're moving quick and really, you know, filling the dance floor. I've never wanted to listen to an album through and through and I've seen seen them live a few times and it's not always great you know when they're on they're on when they're not they're not that's the definition of a burn it record what do we have on the show next week next week Jim we're going to do a classic album dissection of David Bowie's Ziggy Stardust and the Spiders from Mars Greg as always we have some thank yous to say on the way out Mary Gaffney and Andrew Gill helped us with the Kelly Hogan session. Sound Opinions is produced by Jason Saldana and Robin Lynn. Our production assistants are Annie Minoff and Michael DeBonis. Our intern is Deborah Olalea. And our executive producer, our fearless leader, Tori Southside Malatia. A lot of people say Louis C.K. based his character on Tori. On Sound Opinions, everyone's a critic. So give us a call on our hotline, 888-859-1800. New messages. Hi, guys. This is Sally calling. Um, I just wanted to thank you for your uh, Van Hunt show. It was totally inspiring to hear about someone who has stepped outside of being pigeonholed, and at the same time, I was going to say that, Jim, I had a really hard time with your review of the Fiona Apple record in the same show, because I felt like it was completely contradictory with what you were praising Van Hunt about, that he is um, exploring all these genres, and then what you didn't like was that she was using all different methods and genres and ideas of experimenting in a song. I have never really been a Fiona Apple fan, although I'm interested in listening to this record because of that fact. Oh, that nothing must have been lacking something if I got boys trying to figure out you let me down. I don't even like you anymore. Oh, that nothing must have been lacking.
everything's been done. And if you want to do something new and contemporary, I, I think it's so amazing to be able to take from from what is old and mix it together with with different styles to create a new sound. Anyway, I love what you guys do, and thanks for your show. Take care. Bye. Hey, Greg and Jim, this is Josh calling from Los Angeles, um, taking you up on your offer to uh, find some felons out there who have been stealing music and using it for advertising purposes. You gave the example of uh, Black Keys' song being uh, ripped off. I think I have a probable cause on a Taco Bell ad I saw on TV recently that used the late Butcherette's song, New York. making Boku bucks off of this, and I, I certainly hope Les Butcherettes are uh, getting some of that. I'm not even sure if it's the, the actual song, or as you said, it might be a, a facsimile of it. I love the fact that you've deputized your listeners to, to crack down on this, and I hope other listeners come up with some um, suspects to bring into the station house. Thanks a lot. Hi, guys. I love the show. This is Mark from Worcester, Massachusetts. And uh, I was hoping that the Todd Snyder album, Agnostic Hymns and Stoner Fables, would be my favorite album so far this year, but uh, it's taken a little getting used to. But I do have in heavy rotation the new Hives album, Lex Hives, and I think you got to give him credit for banging away for over a decade with these you know, two-minute, three-minute songs, and it's a great album got one of those songs where you can just listen to over and over and over wait a minute Have a great uh, day. Thanks for the show. Bye. No more messages. To share your opinions on Sound Opinions, call 888-859-1800. We'll be back next week on Sound Opinions from WBEZ Chicago and distributed by PRX. Wait a minute now, wait a minute, wait a minute now. At Progressive, we know there's nothing like the feeling of riding your motorcycle with your buddies on the open road. It's a potent cocktail of thrills, laughter, and pure adrenaline. A feeling that would be impossible to recreate on the radio. Until now, hit it, sound effects guy! I'm real proud of you, son. Wow, that was terrible. Our apologies for even trying. Quote with Progressive and see if you could save with America's number one motorcycle insurer. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates.